Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. today. I hope you came ready. I'm kind of in a little bit of a time crunch, and so we're just going to dive right in. Amen. Lord, we pray that as your word goes out, that it hits the mark. We pray, Lord, that it would not return void, as your Bible says, your word says. We just prepare our hearts and our minds just to receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we're going to be talking about a new series. We're going to start a new series calling called Faith Unveiled. So what we're going to do is we're really going to pull back the curtain as to what faith is. And of course, whenever you expose what faith is, you're also going to see what faith is not. And I'm just saying that faith is one of those things that can be misunderstood, absolutely is often misunderstood. And so today we're going to be, the title of my message is this, Thriving Under Pressure. Thriving under pressure. And today's message is really going to be about stress and anxiety. Being a pastor and living in the world that we live in today, I'm telling you, at the top of the list of questions that people are wanting to have answers to, stress and anxiety is at the top of the list. People are more stressed out today than they ever have been. People are more, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying what it is. People are more medicated today because of stress and anxiety and depression than any other time in history. It just seems like a lot of people are needing a lot of help. You know what I mean? Just to, just to understand and survive and get through the day. And uh, we want to do more than just survive. Like we want to live a life that's absolutely thriving. And so the question is this, is why is there so much pressure? And the answer is, is because there's always a challenge. Like, right, you get out of, you know, you get out of one fire, you put one fire out, and then there's two others that, that, are, that are there waiting for you to, you know what I mean, to address and to deal with. It reminds me, my son was, uh, he lives on Maui, and he, he lives in Lahaina, where they had these Lahaina fires. I mean, where there was a town, the town is absolutely just burnt up. There's no town there anymore. Lahaina has been destroyed by fire and listening to the stories of people that were doing their best just to put the, you know, with a garden hose, just kind of wet their house down. And, and, and then, you know, once they got their house taken care of, they would take care of the fence and maybe the neighbor's house. And, and, uh, it didn't seem like much was happening until the fire was gone. Some of the people that were able to hose down their houses still have a house standing, and so you can be in the middle of something and it's so overwhelming. You're like, man, is this even making a difference? And I'm just telling you this, that the important thing is to keep fighting. See, suicide is also at a all time high. And I believe that, that there's some connections between the stress and the anxiety that people are facing. Come on. And the, 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 the decisions to call this life to an end. And can I just tell you this while you're still living? God is not for suicide. 
I'm telling you what, he said, man, I've set life and death in front of you. Choose life. And so if you're contemplating, I wonder if it would be okay in God's eyes if I made this decision. Let me be very clear. No, he gave you life and he doesn't desire for you to cut it shorter than what it is that it's meant to be lived out. I get asked that question, okay, all the time, and, 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 and hopefully you'll, you'll lean in and listen to that. But um, you're either coming out of a problem, or you're going into a problem, or you're right dead smack in the middle of a problem. And you're like, man, oh man, pastor, can't you be a little bit more positive? And my answer to that is this, I'm, po I'm absolutely positive that you're in the middle of a problem, you're coming out of a problem, or you're going into a problem because the Bible says that in this world, you're gonna have problems, you're gonna have trouble. But he doesn't leave us there. He says, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. See, this is called life and there are so many things that are outside of our control. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing that if the only problems that we ever had to deal with were the problems that we caused, but that's just not life. That's not how it happens. You've got those problems to deal with, but then you've also got the problems that everybody else is creating and, and, and just being connected to other people. And so, so I want you to realize that where these come from, it comes from the fall of man or original sin. How many of you know that God created this wonderful world and in a part of the world he created was a place called Eden and Eden was paradise on the earth. And because of sin that Adam and Eve entered into, they did something that they were told not to do, that sin destroyed paradise. I want you to realize that the God that we serve, at the moment that that took place, he put in play a plan, come on, of redemption. He, he knew that there was going to be a time where he would send his only begotten son to die on a cross, and that through the work of the cross, that anybody that is in relationship with Jesus, come on, their sin is dealt with, both past sin, Somebody say present sin and future sin is dealt with. And this is why they call it the gospel. It's the good news. But I want to be clear that God's plan is a rescue plan. He is rescuing you. He's rescuing you out of a bad situation. People are still asking these questions like, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? First of all, you got it wrong because... There's no good people, right? That's the first problem that we have is we think that, that, that we're, we're good and there's nothing good inside of you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I want you to know that God's rescue plan, his solution for you is eternity. Somebody say heaven. And so we were created in, in paradise, in Eden, and God's rescue plan is to take us back to paradise or heaven. And so you need to know this. But right now, somebody say right now, we have to face trouble. We've got to struggle. We've got to go through the turmoil. But this is the beautiful thing is that God says that I will not allow you to go through that alone. I'm going to be with you every single place that you go. 
right? I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am, Jesus said, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so stress is this, defined, it's this, the pressure of life being greater than your capacity to endure it. There was a man that, that went to the doctor and he had so many issues, man. He, it just wasn't one issue that he was dealing with, but he was dealing with one problem on top of another problem on top of another problem. So he went into the doctor finally and they ran all kinds of tests on him and they were poking him, prodding him, asking him all kinds of questions. It was, a, it was a day that literally took six hours they ran so many tests on him. And about two weeks later, the doctor called him back and he said, hey, listen, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which would you like first? And he says, go ahead and give me the good news first. He said, the good news is this, you're in bad shape and you've got 24 hours to live. And he said, man, doc, I thought you were going to give me the good news first. He said, I did. I tried to call you yesterday. <laughs> so that's a bad day, right? That's a bad day. See, and what I want you to realize this is that this life is filled with good news and it's filled with bad news. I don't know where people get the idea that just come to Jesus and everything's just going to be a-okay, right? The bad news is, is that the troubles of this world are not going to change. Doesn't matter if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. The troubles of this world are not going to change. The good news is this, that in Jesus, your capacity to endure the troubles of this world are going to increase. Amen. Because that is the business that God is in is to, is to walk with you through the fire so that you, when you get out of the other side, you're not scathed and you're not burnt up. There's a man that I was talking to about three weeks ago. He had many, many hardships. He had one hardship on top of the other. And, and he was, he was just, he wasn't talking right. He wasn't thinking right. And I got a chance just to pray for him and encourage him and I followed up with him just this last week and I said, hey, how are things going? He said, you know what? They're going a lot better. It's not that my problems have gone away, but I'm finding strength in Jesus. Amen. How many of you know that that is a beautiful picture of, 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 of just barely getting by and surviving to literally thriving, even dealing with the same circumstances and same life situations? See, life is filled with bad things, but your ability, come on, to work through those things go way up when you find your strength in Jesus. Philippians chapter 4 and 13 says this, that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Do you know this, that the apostle Paul, he wrote this while he was in prison. There might be some here that have been to prison and spent some time in prison and I'm just telling you this, that prison back in this day is very different than prison today. I can promise you this, that there was never a person back in biblical times that said, man, maybe I should just mess up and go back to prison. How many of you know that that happens today? Man, life was much easier in prison today. And so something is absolutely wrong with that. See, Prisons back in the day were not just merely dungeons. 
They were crucibles of penance. And a crucible is something that is filled with tremendous hardship, tremendous pain and suffering, but it has the ability to transform a life. It has the ability to change a life. See, we can't control what happens to us, but I want you to know that you can control in God how you respond to it. How many of you know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control? And how many of you know that one of the first places that you need God to show up is in your thinking? It's in your mind. Because when your mind's off, your whole body is off. When your mind's not right, your whole body's not right. So today we're talking about making the right responses when we're in tough situations because every one of you are going to face tough situations. There's six stages of stress that I'm going to hit you with real quick. So lean in, put your seatbelt on, grab your notepad and pen and knock these things out because we're going to hit them quickly. The first stage of stress or grief or whatever it is that you want to call it is shock. Come on, we come to this space and place. We can't believe that what has just happened has just happened. I mean, imagine this, you're going through life and then somebody that you love so dearly, come on, they're automatically just taken. You haven't had a moment to consider it, to work through it. They were here one second and they're gone the next. How many of you know that shock is going to take over? How many of you know that shock takes over whenever, whenever you go in for an annual exam, just a routine checkup, and then all of the sudden, they discover something in your life that could potentially be terminal. You're like, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe that, that this is the news that I received. Come on, I was just, you know, I know I haven't been eating right, and I know I haven't been doing this or that, but, but my goodness, I wasn't ready for this kind of news. And so, shock is the first stage, and when we deal with shock how many of you know that for the most part people want to separate and isolate right like you may still have responsibility you may still have to go to work but listen you may be present physically but mentally and emotionally you're someplace very far from where you are right you want to separate and isolate and i'm telling you this that that's okay and i think that's very common like you got to you got to begin to work through some things. You, you've got to get, you've got to get some stability up underneath you. You've got to shore up your foundation. And so a lot of times you can't have a lot of interaction during that space. But I will say this, that it can become dangerous when we remain in this season for too long. When you remain in a season of shock and separation and isolation for too long, Somebody say, that's dangerous. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9, and this is our answer. This is our answer to separation and isolation when it's gone on too long. It says this, that two are better than one. Because they have a good return for all of their labor. It goes on to say that if one falls into a ditch or a hole, he's got his brother or she's got her sister come on to pull them out. But it says this, pity the one who has nobody to help them out of that low spot. 
you know what pity means? Pity means to feel sorry for. Feel sorry for the person that has chose to do this life alone, that whenever they needed a friend, they didn't have a friend because they weren't a friend. And I'm just telling you this, that we need one another. And while you still may separate and isolate for a season of time, hopefully that friend is going to help pull you out of that, that ditch of despair. Come on, after you've remained there a little bit too long. So when life falls apart, the idea is, is that we're supposed to run to God and we're supposed to run to God's people. The problem is that sometimes people just run. They run away from God and they run away from God's people. Can I just tell you this this morning, that it is important to trust God, maybe even more important to trust God in the hardships of life than it is in the good times of life. See, we have no problem celebrating God and worshiping God, you know what I mean, whenever things are going okay, when things are just fine, but we have a difficult time celebrating and worshiping God and trusting in God when our life is in the ditch. And I'm saying that this is the big point, this is the, the high point whenever we need to press into God and we need to press into God's people. We need to surround ourselves with people that are going to help us come on in our thinking because where your mind goes, your life goes. And sometimes in the, in the devastation, come on, our mind can go south and therefore our life follows. So how do you do this? You simply let somebody know. You say, listen, Joe, you asked me yesterday how I was doing and I gave you the kind of flaky answer that everybody always gives, man, brother, I'm doing just wonderful. But you know what, Joe, I'm really not doing that great. I've had some unexpected things that have happened in my life and, and I don't know if I've got the strength to get through it. And Joe, if he's a real friend, if he's a real brother in Christ, if I've built a relationship with him, Joe's gonna say, hey, listen, man, I got your back. You know what I mean? And he's gonna put a plan into play and so listen, you need people, and, and, and let me just say this real quick, while I am available and our staff is available, you know what I'm saying? Like if it's up to myself and our staff to care for every single need, then guess what? There's gonna be, there's gonna be balls that are dropped, right? There's gonna, be, there's gonna be missed opportunities. And so my challenge is for you to share life, come on, with some folks, that you spend life with on a regular basis that will be there to pull you out. This is why, you know, a shameless plug for grace groups and being a part of Bible studies and things like that because these, this is where really the powerful ministry takes place is in these small group settings. You've been able to be vulnerable with one another, get to know one another, pray for one another, right? Right? Right. <laughs> We're still catching up. You know, everybody's like, I don't belong to a grace group. <laughs> oh, that's where I'm really missing out on. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. The second stage is sorrow or what we would call sadness today. Sadness is a godly emotion. Sorrow is a godly emotion. In fact, Jesus himself wept when his good friend Lazarus died. Right. He wept. It really broke his heart that his that Lazarus had to go through that. Man, he had to go through it twice, right? 
<laughs> because he was brought back to he was brought back to life again and and uh, he was sad that his family was so broken up about it but Isaiah 53:3 says this talking about Jesus that he is despised and he's rejected of men he's a man of sorrows and he's acquainted with grief and i want you to know that grief is good grief is godly in fact my wife she leads a ministry here at the church and i have heard people tell me personally that grief share has saved their life that they were in a low space a low place where they were contemplating making bad decisions but yet they changed their mind because of grief share and i want you to know this that we've got a great ministry to help you walk through your grief properly see you've got to beware because there are stages of grief that are unhealthy and dangerous this is what i would call perpetual grief this is whenever you're stuck in a grief cycle uh, grief cycle maybe like a washing machine and you just can't get out of this grief cycle Psalm 61 and verse 1 says this, and this is the New King James Version. It says, hear my cry, O God. Attend my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry out to you when my heart is overwhelmed to lead me to the rock that is higher than I. See, somebody here might today, your heart might be overwhelmed. And so what is the answer? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. Who's the rock? The rock is Christ Jesus, right? And so lead me to the space and the place, come on, to the one that is higher than I. Why? So he can pull me out of this place of grief and despair. So how do you do that? Like that sounds all fancy, but give me something practical. How do I do that? How do I go to the rock, Roxy? You pray, but there's even something better. There's one thing that'll get you out of the low place faster than anything else, and it's worship. When you can begin to worship, this is why it's so important, come on, for you to develop a a, a, a ministry of worship as unto the Lord. It's one of those things that whenever you begin to worship God for who he is, it just makes you feel better. And we don't do it for us. We don't, listen to another thing just real quick. We don't sing the songs that we sing for us. We sing the songs that we sing for him. How many of you know that we're not worshiping anybody in here, but we're worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? And when you begin to worship, when you begin to express yourself, and there's so many different ways that you can do that, then I'm telling you then you're lifted up to the one that is higher than your situation. There was an old song we used to sing. It was a kind of a rock worship song. Jesus is the rock of my salvation. Jesus is the strength of my life. He's the Lord of every situation. From the brightest days to the darkest night, he will never leave me nor forsake me. Everything I need, I find in him. Jesus is the rock of my salvation, and he'll be with me to the end. I love that song, man. I just wish Matt would let me on the worship team. That's all I want. I just wish he'd let me on the worship. But isn't that a cool rock, Christian rock song? 
He is the rock of my salvation. And when you begin to worship God, it changes everything because you realize in a place of worship, unlike I believe any other place, you realize that God is bigger than the trouble that you're facing. So go to the rock and worship. From Paul and Silas in prison to modern day church services, worship will lead to breakthrough and it'll break strongholds. Number three is this struggle. We begin to ask questions in this stage of struggle. Why is this happening? How could this happen? And, and there are phases of struggle. You will, you will go from feeling bad to mad to sad or bad to sad to mad, either one. But you're typically going to go through these three stages. And this is the stage that you got to be careful in the stage of struggle because there's a lot of people that will leave God Christians that have been serving God for a long time, they will say, listen, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna do that no more. Why would God allow this to happen? It's because you got a funk, you got a funky idea of, of, of what this relationship, I call it the American gospel. The American gospel is this, and you're not gonna find this in any other third world country. You're definitely gonna find it here. The American gospel is this, with Jesus, I should have no problems. Every day should be a sunshiny day and no roses. But so many people walk away from God when there's trouble in this life. And I'm telling you, man, the idea is to finish the race. There are going to be many people, and many people have. Many people have walked away from God. They've not finished their race. Whoa. Whoa. They've not finished their race because of hardships. So they trust him in the good times, but don't trust him in the, in the bad times. Jeremiah 20, 18. You want, to, you want to see this conflict take place. Just look at the story of Jeremiah, man. This guy was in a continuous tension. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love that. He was in this um, continuous tension where he was filled with grief and depression and faith and praise. Just read Jeremiah 20 and you will see this flip back and forth several times just in Jeremiah 20. And you can read the whole book and find that it is the same. But it says this, why was I born? The prophet said, why was I born? Was it only to have trouble and sorrow to end my life in disgrace? The fourth thing that Jesus said from the cross, he said many things. The fourth thing was in the form of a question. And he cries out to God because God had forsaken him. It wasn't, it wasn't a feeling of being forsaken. Like God removed everything good from him so that he could carry all the devastation, all the sin of this life. But he cries out in this place, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This really shows the humanity of God. This side of heaven, I want you to know this, that there's some things that you're not going to understand. You're never going to understand it. But there is a time that you're going to understand it. In this place called paradise and eternity, your eyes are going to be opened and you're going to see things clearly. And I can promise you when you're, 
when, you, when, when all of these things are revealed to you, you're going to say, oh, I see what God was doing. There is a plan for everything, good, bad, and ugly. Come on, God will use it for his good. Hebrews chapter 11, every single line in Hebrews chapter 11, we've got a different person with a different miracle, a different person with a different miracle. We got the parting of the Red Sea. We've got, we've got people being raised from the dead. And then you go down to Hebrews 11 and verse 35, and this is what it says. But there were others. Somebody say others. These others were still people of faith. They still lived faithful lives, but this is what it says. There were others that were tortured. They were persecuted and they were mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes. They were commended for their faith, yet none, somebody say none. That means none of them received what had been promised. Why did they not receive what was promised? Because God planned something better for them. See, his better was for us so that together with us, they could be made perfect. And so listen, when life is falling apart, you need to really remember the promised life that is gonna come. This world is not our home. There's hardships in this world, but heaven which is coming is filled, it's paradise. It's filled with wonderful things. Number four is this, surrender. This is the stage that we find ourselves in that I'm about ready to give in. This is the healing phase for most people. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord. And let me just tell you this, that trust is what leads to peace. Once again, I wanna go back. We can't just trust him in the good times. We also have to trust him in the difficult times. God is a miracle worker, but I want you to know this, and I, and I gave it this, this name because it makes a lot of sense to me. God's a miracle worker. He's in the business of working miracles, but I want you to realize that there is a gospel of suffering. Gospel means good news, and so there's good news that comes through suffering. How many of you know that there are some things that you can only learn in suffering and you can't learn them any other way? In fact, there have been people, in fact, even in this room, I guarantee you, there would be people that have gone through some very, very difficult situations, but because you went through them, it kind of created and it built some character in you that, you, that you, if you were given a chance to go through it again, you would absolutely go through it because the benefit was so great. See, there's a gospel of suffering. And I'm just saying that we live right now in the best expression of humanity, as far as I can tell, that's ever been experienced. I don't think, it, like living here in the United States, I don't think that any people group have had it better than what we have it. I could be totally wrong on that. But if you think I'm way off, go ahead and just look how 90% of the world lives and then look how you live. And if you don't know, if you can't make that comparison, then I would highly recommend you go on a mission trip to a third world country. I believe we live in the best expression of humanity now, right now, being in, in the, this great United States of America than has ever been, ever been lived in. And so, 
There are people that have had it a whole lot worse than what we've had it. But God has never left them nor forsake them. And I'm just telling you this, like if they can do it, then we can do it as well. See, there's a blessing in the suffering. There's a, there's a prayer that is used mainly in 12-step programs like AA and NA and, and other things, but it's not solely specific. This prayer, actually, I believe it was, uh, I, I, think it was I think it was formulated back in 1932, maybe even before that, but this is the prayer. It's called the serenity prayer. It says, God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. The courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, this right here is where we typically end the prayer in 12-step programs. But let me continue on because there's a lot more to the prayer. It says, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as a pathway to peace. Let me just read that again. Accepting hardships as a pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did the sinful, world, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, but trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. How many of you know that there was more prayer than, than the beginning portion of that? But because in usually 12-step programs, it's all about your higher power, I believe that they kind of take that out because it really focuses on Jesus. I don't know what I got going on here. I was like, focuses. So I can worship, not called to do life alone. I can look at eternity and I can trust God. Number five is this sanctification. I'm going to hit this real quick. God doesn't call bad things into play. He doesn't make bad things happen. But let me tell you, he's in the business of using bad things for good. Right? He doesn't cause your problems, but he can sure use your problems to draw you closer. He loves to use them. So listen. He didn't cause your divorce, but he can use your divorce. He didn't cause your job loss, but he can use your job loss. He didn't cause betrayal, but he can certainly use it. You get the idea. See, God is always committed to our growth, our development, come on, and, and, and just growing up in him. And I'm just saying that it's a whole lot easier if you get on board. The faster you get on board, the faster you're going to get through whatever it is. I always tell people, and you guys have heard it many times, God will either take you through the gate, which is easy, or he'll pull you through the knot hole, which is not so easy. And I am a knot hole person. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I usually find my way the hard way most times. But, um, but I want you to realize that the hardships that you're dealing with right now, are not, it's not a, they're not a jail that are going to imprison you, but they're a school that will absolutely shape you. And so in the middle of your hardship, be asking the question like, what is it that God is trying to work out in my life right here and right now? Number six, and this is the last one, full circle, service. The last stage of stress is service. It's where we begin to take the pain that we've that we've gone through and, and, and the things that we've learned by going through the hardship and we begin to teach other people through that. 
Can I also tell you this, that additional healing is going to come when you take what you've gone through and you help somebody through their pain and their hurt. You will continue to, to get better. You know, I, I was called to pastor. I was called, I was called to do what it is that I do. But let me tell you, there's some selfish things that happen when I begin to help people. The selfish things that happen is I help myself probably more than I help anybody else. So when you begin your life and you begin to serve other people, there is definitely a blessing and a benefit that comes back by you doing those things. Second Corinthians chapter one and verse three, it says this, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we, why, can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. That means we've walked it. We've seen that God's given us comfort. We grab somebody by the hand that's in the middle of whatever it is that they're going through. We're familiar with it. And we say, listen, God helped me. Let me show you the way. Somebody say that's full circle stuff right there. So purpose can always be found in your pain. Not some of the time, all of the time. So how has God used your pain in your past? How is it possibly that God wants to use your pain right now, come on, to teach you some things, to grow you in some things, or to help somebody else come on through what it is that they're going through? There was a guy by the name of Viktor Frankl. This guy is a Holocaust survivor. He's a psychiatrist and a lot of the things that he talks about, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, but some of the things that he talks about is just absolutely amazing. He, he spent three years in a concentration camp and he goes in detail what that was like as a Jew in a concentration camp about how they would just work you and they would work you and they would work you and they would just feed you just a little bit just to kind of get through. But whenever you became too weak and too frail, we know what they would do. They would put you in the, in the chamber and that would be the end of your life. And so he was in this concentration camp for three years. Imagine all of the destruction, all of the devastation, come on, that, 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 he, that he felt and that he experienced and that he witnessed. And he goes on to say, like, listen, there's purpose to be found in your pain. And he talks about this moment where there was just a beautiful sunrise and, and all of these people and just frail and just worked so, so hard and, and just malnourished. And, and he said there was a group of us that just walked out to the fence and they had a moment, a God moment, where they just saw the sun begin to rise and he just said, he said, some people miss it, that you can find God in anything. You can find God in any situation and you can find purpose in any situation. You know, some people in the middle of their suffering, they're thinking this, that the entirety or the end of their life is just, is just going to be spent in the space and place of lack. And it's like, what's the use? Why continue? Why, why continue to, 
you know, to get up every day? Why continue to live? And, and once again, as your mind goes, so goes your body and everything else. See, your thinking is wrong. And I'm telling you this, that if Viktor Frankl, come on, seeing all of the loss and, and being exposed to the elements and working so, you know, through some really, really tough situations that many people will never face in our world today, if he could find purpose in those situations, don't you think that God still has a purpose in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggle? I'm telling you this, that God, he takes us from glory to glory to glory, regardless of your circumstances. And we have got to keep our eyes fixed on the one above. Whenever you begin to fix your eyes on your own situation, your own pain, how many of you know this, that even though it's tragic and it's, I've, I've walked alongside of many of you through some, some hardships that, that I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want anybody else to go through. We're not downplaying the, the hardships that, are, that, are, that people are going through on a daily basis. But what we're doing is we're upplaying Jesus in that situation, amen. And Jesus is with you and you've got to keep your eyes on him. You've got to trust him. You've got to walk with him. There's purpose in the pain. You got to discover what that purpose is. Amen. I just feel led just to pray for somebody here that's, um, that's going through maybe something right now. And you're, you're like, man, I just, you know, I hear you, but I, I just don't know how it's going to, I don't know how it's going to work out. Well, I just want you just to receive right now from the Lord. Lord, right now we just lift up those, God, that don't have any of the answers but are surrounded by problems. Today, Lord, I just pray that the Holy Ghost just begin to move on their behalf, Lord. They've experienced loss or separation or, or just ailments in their body, Lord. Right now we just ask that you would just reveal yourself to them that they can refocus their attention on the one that is greater, the one that is greater than any problem that we could ever face, the one that is greater, come on, than any diagnosis, the one that is greater. And Lord, we just ask that you would just draw close to them. I pray in Jesus' name that, that as they seek you, Lord, they will find you as they seek you with their entire heart. Lord, we repent right now for putting our focus on our problems and not keeping our eyes on you. And I ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of that. Be strength to our bones. Encourage our hearts and fill our minds with truth and love. And Lord, right now, we just ask that, just like this man that I dealt with a few weeks ago that was really, really just oppressed and devastated and overwhelmed. Lord, every single day today, he is now finding his strength, his peace, and his refuge in you. And I speak that to those right here, right now, both present and online. Lord, I pray that you would just move on their behalf. God, we love you and we know that we've got one life to live and every day belongs to you and every day is a gift. Let us not be wasteful. Lord, we know there's going to be hardships and, 
and, and, and days that seem like they were wasted. But as, Lord, as we trust in you and as we seek you, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness that everything else is going to, everything else is going to be all right. So I bless these people today and I bless them in the name of Jesus. And everybody in the house said, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Guys, that does conclude our services today. I want you to realize something really cool. We've got seven people that are being baptized in second service. Woo! Seven people. Come on, continue your walk with God. Get involved in a life group, a small group. Get involved in some of the other things that we've got going on. Don't forget next week. We're taking a special offering to ship these boxes. That's above and beyond your tithe. Please come ready and prepared to do that. You know how to give today. You can give online. You can give in the, in the boxes on the back wall. You can give many different ways. But trust God in your giving. In fact, let me pray for that, Lord. We thank you for the ability to give. We just ask, Lord, that you take this tithe and offering and use it, God, just to advance the kingdom in whatever way, shape, or form that you choose to do so. But help us, Lord, just to reach this community and communities around the world. Lord, we bless you and we thank you. Thank you for the giver. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a wonderful day. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.